Thank the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Proud that you got your house. I'm so happy I got a house. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, I asked Brother Robert to uh, preach for us here this evening. So I'm going to turn it over to him and ask him to bring forth the word. I was talking with my wife and said, yeah, when brother God can get back. So, yeah, I know when he's coming. It's going to be tonight. Said, sure enough, here he comes in the door. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm thinking, oh, no, why didn't brother Jeff call him? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't know how much preaching I'll do that to Claire. I... I, uh, one of the salesmen that comes by our shop had just passed away about a month ago. He was 80, still working. He, the best that I could tell, he was from the old Church of God way years ago. He knew when the Oconee Church of God up in that area had a revival. Uh, I forgot how many weeks it was. Kind of like the revival down at St. Paul many years ago, Brother Neil Bridges. And uh, many people got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and he remembered those days. And uh, he, we would talk about church and how it's changed and all that kind of stuff, and he would come by. And I found out just, I think, yesterday, he had, uh, of course, he'd been vaccinated, but he had other problems with his heart and stuff, and so he didn't want to go on the ventilator, and he passed away. Uh, so... <clears throat> Pray for his wife and his family. I don't know him that well, but uh, he was fairly, um, I guess you'd say, dependable where he went to church. Yeah. You know, they could depend on him and uh, to kind of hold, try to keep the new stuff from flooding in and that kind of thing. Now he's gone. So uh, do pray for them. <clears throat> I... Uh, Turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 2, and uh, we'll read some scripture there, and I'll have some more scripture, but I, I guess that will be the main text. <clears throat> Judges chapter 2. I was sure hoping that the Belcher boys would be here. I would hope all of them would be your parents and all, but when uh, Brother Jeff texted me and I said, oh no. I didn't have a bunch of time working, you know, full days and all, but immediately when I sat down, I just started, I tried to get it out as quick as it was coming to me. Uh, <clears throat> Our lesson, I know Sunday was on part of Judges about Gideon, but uh, we go back from that to here in chapter 2. Chapter 2 and verse 1. <clears throat> and an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim, or Bochim, however you want to pronounce it, 
and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you to the land which I swear to your fathers. And I, have, and I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Wherefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and, as, and their gods shall be a snare to you. And it came to pass that when the angel of the Lord spake these words to all the children of Israel, and the, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. And they called the name of that place Bochim, or Bochim, and they sacrificed there unto the Lord. You may be seated. <clears throat> you say, what in the world am I saying it to? Because I'm wondering, I hope I have not missed it. But I want to speak to you on the tragedy of partial obedience. Oh, yes. Or the curse of going part way. I was talking at lunch today with my wife and uh, we were talking about different things that we see in the church here at Brooklyn. And if I get off in something I don't need to, Brother Jeff, you raise the flag. But I was, I hope, I hope I can get this across and I hope you don't uh, receive it no more. Uh, I hope you receive it like it needs to be received, okay? <laughs> I am not. I'm up here, yeah. But I'm not up here and you're down there. And I'm talking down to you. We're on the same level. I have to work every day. I have to get up when I don't feel like it and go to work. I have to face people that I'm thinking, why are you like that? <laughs> I hear conversations on two-way radio at work. Today, and I so bad want to key that mic and preach them a sermon in about three sentences. I want to so bad it just eats me alive. Sometimes I have to take them, take it off and set it down where I won't get to it. Because on the one hand, they'll say things like, yeah, something about prayer and this and that. And then in the next breath, it's primarily men, all men. They're talking about something about women are drinking or and I think did Bullock County vote in the liquor something you know to me if it's beer in the county it's a wet county but I guess it's not that way around here or whatever how they got it divided now they legalize where they can have a liquor store where they won't have to go to the county line and met her on 46 to get liquor uh, all of it's all of it's alcohol to me and I never uh, but Men on the radio at work was joking about uh, where to put a liquor store and make money off of the college students. Grown men. People my age and older. And I'm thinking, what is going through your soul? But that's workplace. I can hear those kind of things and it, it gets under my skin. But... I want to try to focus here tonight on 
you and me in the church right here. Right. Um, if you'll look in the book of Judges, chapter 1, you'll see where Judah starts off, makes a pretty good show, the tribe of Judah. Didn't understand this is after Joshua is dead. And all, and during this transition here, the people that were his age and those leaders, they're all dying off. <clears throat> and here comes this generation that does not know what the previous generation knew. Uh, and Judah fights Bezek, a king there, and uh, they, let's see here, in verse. Uh, What verse is it? Verse 5, 6. They found a Donai Bezek in Bezek, the king of Bezek. And they fought against him and they slew the Canaanites and the Perizzites. <clears throat> you ever seen a Canaanite riding down the road? And Adonai Bezek fled and they pursued after him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and his great toes. I've, that's kind of fascinated me ever since I've read that scripture uh, over the years. Why did they do that? Well, in that culture and in that time, when a man fights a war, he got to be able to aim the bow or hold a spear. You can't do it if you don't have a thumb. If you don't have a big toe on either foot, you're not going to be able to get up and go and, and keep your balance. Or right. So they, they pretty much, you know, took all that away from him by doing that. But that wasn't what the Lord said to do. That was really a pagan practice. Why did they do it? It was because they had adopted the standards of the people around them. Yes. In fighting the battle where they were supposed to kill him. The Lord said, kill him. And they just cut his thumbs off and cut his big toes off. He was still around. <clears throat> I'm getting way ahead of myself. But that, the most miserable people in the world and the church are professing believers who won't commit themselves to the Lord. That's right. If we try to walk a tightrope of partial obedience, we won't know spiritual victory. And the full blessings of the Lord. We will only have frustration and bitterness and defeat in our life. Um, I've seen the cycle of many people through the years. I've seen it here in our church where people pray, they, they cry, they get. Uh, some kind of experience to have some kind of experience and uh, but it don't last seems uh, it's time it is past time for that to change in our lives because what is happening you mom and dads your experience like that cycle you're teaching your children that's the way that it is. Right. Yeah. 
And what's going to happen most of the time, even if you have a solid experience, your children's experience needs to be better than yours. That's right. But it may not be if it goes as it normally does. So, what will your spiritual health be in one year from now? What will it be five, we stretch it out, five years from now? What will your spiritual health be? Yours personally and your spouse and your children. It is good that you come to church. It is good that your children come with you. It is wonderful. But we must do more than that. We must make sure the time, what, if, if you had a math, if you had the math spread out here in front of us, the amount of time we spend in these four walls in service in here, I'm not talking about back here either. You know, I'm saying just in worship service, as we say, it, that amount of time in our week and then multiply it in a year, in a lifetime. It's so small. It's so small. But we must be careful that our spiritual vigor, our spiritual health is maintained like the Lord wants it to be. In verse 2, in chapter 2, the angel of the Lord says, you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Notice, when he's talking to them, he don't say, and the Lord said, he brought you out of Egypt, and the Lord said unto your fathers, he said, I. That's the Lord himself talking right there. However that angel of the Lord is, uh, whatever that fancy word is for it, I don't know it right off my uh, head here, but that was the Lord appearing to them, telling them. This right here we read in our text in chapter 2. He said, you have not obeyed my voice. I have seen many children, parents come to church, be fairly faithful to church. They come and they pray. They get uh, apparently stirred up. They cry. And then it seems to last a little while and they're right back doing the same thing over again. I'm just talking to you now. What my observation is and what I've seen people do through the years, but mainly I'm talking to you and and me right here in these four walls tonight. Uh, We must check ourselves to make sure we're not partially obeying the Lord. Because when we do, we set the stage, we build the foundation, the spiritual foundation in our own life, and we are showing and telling our children, this is the way to do it. Pray, get stirred up, shout, maybe even speak in tongues, and I don't want to belittle that at all. Please don't take it that way. No, 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 no. But I'm just saying, if you do that and then you get home and fuss or you go to texting each other and I'm, I'm telling you now, I'm just telling you how I see it. 
You start all listening to digital stuff and whatever you want to call it, and then you call up your friend or, well, that's what we used to do, you know, call them. Now you don't have to call them. You can text them and what all that other stuff is. Did you hear about so-and-so? Ah, yeah, so-and-so prayed. But then they got out and fought, and their children fought, and they got mad at each other. And then they were... What kind of spiritual atmosphere does that set in your life, let alone in your children? Even if they're not listening to that, or they don't hear it, somehow they're going to pick up on it. And that habit will automatically go and be multiplied in your children. I'm just telling you, we've got to get a handle on these kind of things in our lives and go on from here and grow in the Lord and obey the Lord fully. We cannot partially obey God and have victory and His blessings and the fullness of His blessings enough to affect the next generation. Remember what Lot did. He was in the shadow, if we could say it that way, of Abraham, the greatest patriarch ever. And they come to a point in their life and Abraham said, we're not getting along. Our our workers are not getting along. We've got to do something about it. And so I'll give you first choice. We've got to spread out a little bit. So they did. Lot had already been gazing towards Sodom. Read on in the story. When the Lord said, you got to get out of here. You've you got to tell your children. When he went to tell his children, his in-laws and his children, they laughed at him. He had no influence on his children at all. Except to make them laugh when he tried to be serious. How is it with you and your children? Do you teach them every day when you're not in these four walls? And when you're in these four walls, do you teach them this is the way to pray? This is the way to pay attention. When the Spirit of God is moving and manifesting Himself, this is what you do. This is how you seek the Lord. Does your children, do you even know how to seek God in our generation and time? I'm afraid that is lost in, in a great to a great measure. How, how people can say, what, I'm not eating, I'm not, I'm not going out there, I'm throwing my phone in the whatevers, and I'm not responding to nobody. I'm going to read the Word of God and pray until something happens. Yes. How many times have you done that in your life? Can you count them on? I'm talking to myself too now. I'm not just saying I'm up here and I got it all figured out. No, 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 no. <clears throat> but I did start living for the Lord last week. That's right. And so, uh, and I don't say that, oh, please, please. I, I hate to even say that really, but I'm just trying to tell you, I'm not, I'm not telling you this second hand. Uh, we must strive for a complete victory, not partial we must strive for complete obedience. I know some people and I could call their name and they're close to me. But I hesitate to do that. 
But I know some people that I look back over their life and I wonder if there was a time in their life and I've tried to figure it out. Was there a time in their life when the Lord said, you're at the crossroads. You need to do this. And they heard clearly from the Lord. And then they said, I can't. One that I'm thinking of particularly, and I wish I could tell you who he is, but it just, I don't know who's listening and whatever. There's no one around here, no one in this state. I'm just saying, I've looked back over his life and I said, there had to be a time somewhere. And I heard my sister say, she was in a service one time and the preachers were telling this and that person said, I can't do it. And it was like that opportunity came and never came again. It's done. It's forever lost. We must seize every opportunity we can to draw close to God yes. at home, yes. riding down the road, and especially when we're together. Right. Because that makes it so much, if I could say it that way carefully, it makes it so much easier for you to press in, to, to get things from the Lord when others are helping you. Right. You know, uh, don't be ashamed. Please don't. Encourage your children to come to the altar and pray with you. When we were growing up, my dad in his own idiosyncrasy, whatever that word is, way, he would get a little rough, not really rough, but, you know, a little pushy with it. When it was time to pray, we didn't stay in the pew. No. We come to the altar. Right. It didn't matter if we was this little. Right. It wouldn't matter if we were teenagers. Right. We went to church, and when it was prayer time, we come to the altar. Yep. <clears throat> this is what we need to teach our children. Amen. Teach them by example. And if you have to push a little, <laughs> it's not going to hurt. No. Kind of like the man was on the ship. I was reading through, uh, and he's, you know, they were, the, the seas got really rough. Uh, it was a boat. I don't know how many people was on there, but they were all there, you know, and it was really rough. Boom! A lady fell overboard. Everybody's standing there like, what, what, what are we going to do? All of a sudden, a man went, pew, jumped in. He stayed with her, kept her until they could get rescued to get her, get him out. They got him out, you know, and they said, oh, you're a hero. Oh, yeah. And they found out he was the oldest man on the boat. 82 years old. So they had a party. And they, you know, they said, hey, man, you, you're brave. You're... What, what do you have to say? What made you do that? He said, the first question I want to ask is, who pushed me? <laughs> Sometimes a little push may save a life. So if you have to push your children, do it. Don't provoke them to wrath. The Bible tells us that. But do all you can to push them. <clears throat> we see... Also, the weakness of the other tribes, not just Judah in the first part of chapter 1. We see Benjamin, Manasseh, Ephraim, Zebulun, Asher, Naphtali, Dan. Read down through chapter 1. Every one of them 
The words are repeated over and over. They did not drive out the inhabitants. The Lord told them before they ever went in there, drive them out. They don't need to be around. You don't need to be around them. They're going to poison you. They're going to snare you. You will wind up serving their gods, especially if you intermarry and you do this because he told them don't do it. And they did every, every bit of that. Yeah. But every tribe, read down through that, every one of them, <clears throat> even the tribe of Dan, and if I understand Dan's history right, the children of Dan, they were pretty fierce warriors. Yeah. But where they were, uh, the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountain for they would not suffer them or allow them to come down to the valley. Why in the world did they do that? They didn't obey the Lord. They partially obeyed the Lord. They chose to live in this kind of place in their life. <clears throat> the angel of the Lord, the Lord, spelled out the consequences. These people are going to drag you down, be constant thorn in your side. They'll snare you. The same thing the world will do to us right. in our family yes. if we don't obey the Lord and drive out the evil influence. Right. And it comes today in so many different forms, but you know, it comes socially, it comes economically, it comes in just about every form, but especially digitally. Yes. It comes through that. That has had the most influence on this generation and time we live in than anything else. The average person spends, I don't know what the time is per day, uh, on, on one of those. Uh, and if your children have access to one, um, yeah. you better guard it. You, 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 mm. We don't want to even hardly get into that, but I'm just telling you it's real. And you're not going to just push it to the side. You're not going to find reverse and back up and try again. We only get one try. One time. At any cost, we must guard our heart and our mind against being polluted and poisoned with sin. Oh. All you got to do is go uptown and, and oh. The influence is so uh, strong. We must not be, we must be violent in our devotion to the Word of God. I used to wonder about that scripture where Jesus said, the violent take it by force. Yeah. You know, I understand that it has, I'm sure, more than one meaning. But I come to realize if we're going to be in the kingdom of God, our devotion, our commitment yes. will have to be, it must be more violent than all our hindrances. Yeah. Yes. Every influence that's pushing against us, trying to drive us away from God, our devotion at any cost. It must be more violent, stronger than those influences and drive those influences out. <clears throat> Spend time in fellowship with the Lord and with fellow Christians. Yes. Fellowship, not gossip. 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 Fellowship. Amen. <laughs> Woo. If a parent or guardian 
Now that, you know, used to you could just say parent. Anyone that has influence. Uh, you are influencing someone. You say, well, I don't have children or whatever the case. You set in motion a pattern, especially if you are a parent. And I'm talking to some. You set in motion a pattern of half-hearted obedience is certainly a pathway to misery and defeat. Sometimes it may not come quickly, but it will come down the road. It'll be handed and taught to your children. The single one greatest challenge right now, I believe, as I see it in my observation as Christians, as holiness people, independent holiness people, is to live what we profess and give it to our children. Pure, undefiled, unadulterated, and burning with the transforming power of God. If we failed in that right there, I believe we failed in our purpose for living. And there's so many things that can take away from that if it is nothing but rob us of the time it takes to be holy. Sometimes God has to take out of our lives Sometimes we have to take out of our life ourselves that it don't distract us from spending time in fellowship with the Lord and, and, and striving for Him and striving to be holy, different, separated from those influences. <clears throat> we must show and tell and teach the pure, true Christian world view. Yes. In, and show our children... <coughs> And our spouse, the real, authentic, personal experience with the Lord, everywhere, all time, every time. If we do get carried away, mad, frustrated, whatever you want to say, be man enough, be woman enough to say, "Oh Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me." Let your children hear you say it, and live like you did say it. And how the Lord has worked in your life and made you better and not bitter against the church and against God. We cannot ever afford to accept the status quo and lose the vision of teaching our children the imperative of a first generation experience with the Lord early. Not just sometime whenever they feel like it. Adolescence, teen, what a young adult, you know, just whenever. No, 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 no. Strain every nerve you got. Do everything you can at any cost. Teach your children early in their life how to pray, how to search and seek God. <clears throat> you'll never regret it because you only get one try. Time is moving so fast. Show them, teach them, one person committed unreservedly to God and his word can make enormous difference. One person can make a great difference. Hudson Taylor said the reason the Lord chose him because he was so weak. 
I think he, he it was I forget six hundred, six or seven hundred, uh, we would say missionaries that went out from China Inland's missions at that time, and uh, one man, just one weak man, and he was the one that said sometimes when I pray I feel like a piece of wood. You think a man like that? Oh, he always prays. He always gets results. He fought something in his body. I forget what it was—a bad stomach or something. I forget what it was. I know Smith Wigglesworth did, but he had he had health problems and and all those things didn't hinder him. <laughs> it did not make him give up. He went down to his deathbed with those things, but with victory in his soul because he said, "It ain't me. It's him." That's right. At one time, I think he got a little. Uh, Maybe we would say carried away, and he did his hair or something like a Chinese, and and people were making fun of him, saying, "What are you doing? Have you lost your mind?" He said, "No, I'm just I'm I'm trying to be like one of them, you know." <laughs> if you think living for God, living holy, training your children, striving to do what's pleasing to the Lord at any cost, the people are going to pat you on the back. Speak good. Hey, man, I like you. I'm talking about even people in church. You're not going to be like, it's not going to be like that. That's right. Sometimes we have to stand all by ourselves. Right. And sometimes when we have a spouse, we even have to stand by ourselves. Now, that's a special case, but I'm just saying, it's not wasted in wasted time. Tell your children, take what I've taught you, build on it, get a richer experience than I have. Don't just reproduce the past. I think that's where we have failed in in, in the generational uh, part of teaching the current generation and the one that's following as long as we live. Some people, you know, they say, well, I got it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm riding this until the Lord calls me home. You better not. You better work at it harder than ever. With the help of the Lord. You can't do it by yourself, no how. <clears throat> Don't reproduce the past. Show them how to give thanks, praise, and worship God. They must see you do it. They must hear you say it. When we, my brother and I, my older brother, were very young, and uh, we were at our home church what time we were there and not on the road, uh, there was a brother that sat over here on this side. He always had his offering ready, rolled up cash. Uh, He's a former... uh, uh, military barber and uh, he was he was something else he was a Sunday school man and and uh, he would preach a little sermon at before you go into your Sunday school class you know and he, he was always there just he, you could count on him but he was the man that stood up by the piano and played his guitar and this was uh, many years ago <laughs> My dad would tell me and my brother, watch him 
when he changed his chords on the guitar. Because my dad had drawn us off a little thing, showing us where to put our fingers on the guitar. He said, watch him when he changes chords. And listen, of course, but watch him when he changes chords and you change chords. We learned by watching Brother John. What are you learning and what are you teaching your children? Right. How to conduct themselves in the church house. <laughs> How valuable do you count the preaching, the singing, and especially the altar service? I know brother and sister Dowd, uh, I, was, I, I have never been in service with them. But they were at Gibber Town one time, and I don't, I don't think I was there then, but uh, and my sister and my mom and them was there. And then they were at Fout one time. My mom was there. This was years ago before they passed away. But uh, I understand that when they're in Madagascar, when they were in Madagascar, you know, different culture and all that kind of thing. But they, they separated the men and the women in the assembly place. And when they prayed, I think they prayed in their seats, I think. I don't know if it was construction or culture or what, but they prayed and they, I don't think they even had music while they prayed. They focused on praying. I know it is our tradition and it's a good one for us to have music while we pray at the altar. It's a very good tradition as long as we balance it and all. But I'm just saying, let's, let's be careful that we don't, uh, oh, I've got myself a mess here. Let's be careful that we don't think in our mind that we can't really get in or pray without music going. I'm just saying that for what it's worth. I'm not saying it, Positive or negative. I'm just saying, be careful. How do you do that? Well, you come to church prayed up. <laughs> you do that praying at home. Amen. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Wouldn't the service be so much greater if you prayed up before you ever got here? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> but in case you didn't, it's a good place to get prayed up. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> The, the challenge is renewal, growth. We must do that in ourselves. Then we teach it and show it to our children. We must advance or perish. The danger is this word, apathy. I looked it up in a dictionary. It is lack of passion or feelings or excitement Indifference, uninterested, unconcerned, sluggishness. Now, if any of those words describes your spiritual atmosphere at home or at church, you need to get down and pray it off. <laughs> you need to get the hold of God. So the, the, the antonym, in other words, the opposite of apathy is fervor. <laughs> what did the Lord tell him in Revelation? I wouldn't. He was either cold or hot. Right. Because you're lukewarm, 
I'm going to vomit you out. How are we doing? What is our pulse? How is our temperature? Uh, I wish I could have done better. I, 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 wish, I wish the children, you know, if we had more children present tonight. I was going to put them on the front row here. Uh, it is so imperative. It is so imperative that we get right ourselves, make sure we're growing ourselves, being renewed ourselves, and then we can affect someone else. Namely, first, our family, our spouse, our children. And then it goes out from there. Uh, I've seen some people that look like they tried to skip over that part of their commitment to the Lord and win others and their children were like devils and went out and did all kind of mess and you know I understand each person is an individual they make their decisions there will be a time in your life when you'll make your own decision when it comes to God but let's try to influence strongly influence that decision early in life <clears throat> you're not too young I don't we don't have any here too young we don't have any too old <clears throat> you're just right uh, I'm afraid I've lost you second Kings 13. Uh, four through nine, I believe it is. Second Kings, real quick. There's a story there I want to touch on. Second Kings, chapter thirteen. Uh, I'm sorry, <coughs> fourteen through nineteen. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. And Joash the king of Israel came down to him and wept over his face and said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said to him, this is before he died, take a bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thy hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Apec Till thou, have, till thou hast consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows, the ones that were left, and he took them, and he said to the king of Israel, Smite on the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him and said, Thou should have smitten five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it, whereas now, Thou shalt smite Syria, but thrice. Such a simple, crude 
illustration for us in our time, but probably not for them then. But what he was doing there was trying to teach the king you can have complete victory. But the king chose to have partial victory. Many times in our lives we come up against things and uh, dealing with our children. And we, we go at it and we go at it and we slack off. We got to be careful that we don't do that what he done right there. We try it about three times and then quit. We get partial victory when the Lord desires us to have complete victory. And it can be had. How? Perseverance. We must keep going. We must keep striking those arrows. Uh, How is the spiritual atmosphere in your house? Are you glad when it's time to come to the house of God? Is your children glad? I know we're human. I understand. Sometimes we'll have words. Sometimes we might even get into discussion or hopefully not a cushion, but a discussion or something on the way to church. The devil, he he, he makes it happen sometimes. But get over it. Get it past. Get it behind you. And don't repeat the past. Why'd you say that? <clears throat> I'm just telling you. Jeremiah 8 and 20. I don't want to end like this. I don't want you to. Jeremiah 8 and 20. I should have had all these written down. <clears throat> When the time has come and you're laid to rest, what will the last sentence be? The harvest is past, the summer's ended, and we are not saved. <clears throat> Same that, uh, I don't know. I hope. You have taken to heart what I've said this evening. But um, it really is a very much chief concern about how I see the pattern of our lives. Uh, We go through the years. We go through the seasons. You know, we're all, let me say, I do appreciate it, and I know Brother Jeff does. I do appreciate everybody getting in, working, being active, doing everything from sweeping the floor, picking up a piece of paper, uh, anything, anything. But we must be careful that we don't get too busy being busy and we neglect our own spirits of God and neglect teaching our children how to obtain that experience more rich than we have because if we don't if we fail in that this place may become uh, 
a flea market or, or something like that. You'd say, what? <laughs> That's sure not preaching, I don't reckon, but I'm just saying, I, I, I wish I could get this across how I feel it way down inside. Because there are so many things to distract us and get us busy. And it'll be like that last verse we read. The summer's gone. That season of life is over. And we are not saved. I don't think my brother's listening, but I have a brother. He has two children. They are in their early 30s. About Corey's age, I think. Uh, I should know their exact birthday, but I don't. Both of them are so talented. It's pitiful. It's pitiful. I mean, they can outplay me 10 to 1 uh, on anything. I mean, it is, it is unbelievable. They, when they were younger, they were raised, as we would say, in church. <clears throat> For the most part. Something happened along the way, I don't know. I don't know. I know they did kind of... I know they did kind of church hop some. Uh, they moved some because they had to. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Something had its effect on them. The last photograph, picture I saw on the phone of my nephew... I shouldn't say probably. Skinny jeans. Because he's always been real small, real skinny. But he had on those tight little jeans, had on some weird, wild colored coat that did not match anything he had on. Uh, I think he even had a baseball cap on, something just crazy. And just didn't look right. He's a young man as far as his years his age and all that. He knows what it is to be in church where the Holy Ghost is moving. He knows gospel music. He knows some other music he shouldn't. What happened? I'm telling you, it's my brother's children. You are not exempt. Neither am I in this world. We must be careful. We must guard our life. We must guard our influences that's coming in to our home, to our children. <clears throat> I, I got to quit. The Lord gave give us a tremendous privilege and responsibility. And we'll stand before the Lord and give an account for it. Don't let it be like in Jeremiah. The summer's past. And we're not saved. Are we devoting everything we have to Him and to the cause of the kingdom of God and making sure that we tell our children this is the way the Lord said do it. This is the way you see me do it. That's how you do it. And show them examples. There are other examples too. Because, you know, the world... And friends and whoever, all they're going to show them is the one that's failed. 
He used to be. He's a has-been. <laughs> you know, just and they make fun of that. It's terrible how they do that. Don't do that. If that comes up, somehow, by the grace of God, head it off. Change. Tell a good story about somebody faithful. They died shouting glorious victory. You know, you don't have to end like that. Like a bad has been. No. Let's stand. Didn't go nothing like I wanted it to. I hope you take these words, these verses, the Word of God, meditate on it, think about it, read it, pray over it. That's what it's there for, the whole book. And, and, And make sure we check ourselves. How's our spiritual pulse? Do we have heart trouble? Do we have ear trouble? And make every moment count when we're gathered together in the house of God. When, when we have a privilege to come and pray, let's do it with all of our might. Yeah. Encourage, teach. If you have to push. Push and pray. Little <laughs> children. Amen. Let's gather around and ask the Lord to help us understand what he's saying to us and be complete, not partial, but completely obedient. Let's gather and pray.